Well, good morning. It's good to uh, be able to be with you once again via our live stream. And uh, we're so glad that you're tuning in to uh, this session of our roundtable discussions. Pastor, we've had uh, a lot of folks give us some good feedback with regards to our roundtable discussions. Apparently, our church family seems to enjoy uh, these topics that we're discussing and the information that we're sharing. That's encouraging. Amen. No, it's been it's been nothing but positive, and I think people enjoy a format where it's it's broken up. Uh, there's multiple angles being shared on the same subject. So yes, indeed, it's gone well. I agree. I agree, and it's uh, we're so excited to hear the positive feedback from our church family, and we're so glad that uh, hopefully we're being a blessing and an encouragement to you. And so this morning. Uh, we're going to look at a different topic of uh, roadblocks to folks getting saved or reasons why some folks uh, do not trust Christ as their Savior uh, once they're witnessed to or they hear the gospel. Uh, this is one of those uh, that we'll look at this morning. Uh, why do bad things happen to good people? And so before we do that, uh, let's have a word of prayer, and, uh, and then we'll just uh, see if we can jump right in to make sure we don't run out of time like we did last week. Amen. Uh, All right, let's pray real quickly. Father in heaven, Lord, we pray this morning that you would bless our study time today. Uh, Lord, we do pray that you would give us clear minds. Lord, we pray for the folks at home that uh, you would remove any distractions from their their lives, Lord, that would hinder them from being able to watch. Um, And Lord, we just pray that you would uh, speak to us today, help us to learn, help us to grow. Lord, stretch us, uh, grow our faith. And, Lord, grow our devotion and our dedication to you. And, Lord, may you use uh, what we uh, experience today to help us and uh, help us, Lord, to become better soul winners, uh, better uh, witnesses for you. We do love you. We thank you for uh, your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we hope that uh, you all have been safe and healthy throughout this entire uh, episode that we're experiencing. We are uh, really looking forward to next week, Pastor, as we're able to have the church folk come back and join us here in the auditorium. That's exciting. Yes, it is. Amen. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. We have been uh, just chatting with each other, uh, with Joe and the various folks that have joined us, uh, and this place has been empty, and uh, we, are, we are just cannot wait. We cannot wait to see you all in person once again. We've had several folks uh, that came by the church uh, to help with the Mother's Day gift deliveries and by the way, happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers out there. Uh, we hope you have a wonderful day today. And uh, so it's good to see folks in the building. It's good to see folks coming around and being able to, you know, connect with them again. I know that Friday you had some folks that had lunch with you and all that sort of thing. So yeah, no, good. people were coming in to get uh, bags to, to be delivered. And, and a good chunk of my day was uh, used to, to communicate and talk to and Boy, I sure miss our people. Amen. Fellowshipping with them was awesome. It really was. Amen. Praise the Lord. So let's get right into it. Uh, Why do bad things happen to good people? Now, we're hoping that this will equip you, obviously, to be able to answer that question when you're out in the community and you happen to have an opportunity to share the gospel and someone may present this to you. Uh, If God is good or if God is all loving, then why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, we have five discussion points that we're going to look at today. Hopefully, we'll be able to get to all, all of them. Uh, but first, let's define what would we consider to be bad things. What are bad things? What are things that basically all of humanity agrees, okay, yeah, that is a bad thing. Uh, I have written down a few examples here. We would consider someone who uh, experiences the horrific event of being raped. Uh, that would be a bad thing. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. Uh, uh, if someone uh, commits a murder, okay, that we would consider that to be a, a bad thing. Uh, I know the whole Ahmad Arbery story. I'm sure you've heard of it, Pastor, that's going on uh, right now. It's, it's, a, it's a big topic. Uh, but uh, they're saying, you know, obviously there was a murder, and now they're saying it was tied to racism. We would consider racism to be a bad thing. Um, there's also natural bad things that happen, things that we would uh, consider that are just acts of nature. I remember there used to be a time where a hurricane or an earthquake or a tsunami would be called an act of God. I don't know if you remember when they used to call them that, Pastor. Yes. And uh, they changed that. They no, no longer called them an act of God. Uh, they call them an act of nature. So these are bad things. Uh, these are horrific things where people lose their lives. Uh, diseases uh, hurt and injure and, and cause trauma. Abuse. Abuse. A horrible thing that we yeah. would consider to be a, a bad thing. Uh, and all of those things we would consider to be, I, I guess if we word it a different way, instead of just bad things, we would say these things are evil. Yeah, that's, that really is the word, the biblical word, yes. right? Is, is that these things are evil and yes. that um, we look at evil that happens to us or someone we love and we look up at God and say, if God is inherently good, why is there evil that's happening to me? If yeah. God loved me, why would he allow this to happen to me yeah. or someone I love? Yeah. Why, why does evil even exist? Right? Yeah, why is it even here? Why is there such evil? If God is love and God is good and God is just and God is all of these positive attributes, why does he allow evil? Did God create evil? Uh, a lot of, there's been discussion with regards, did God make evil? And so we have to understand that evil is not a tangible thing. It's not something you can touch and grab and feel. Uh, evil is really basically the absence of good. Mm -hmm. uh, just like a shadow is the absence of light. Uh, you can't pick up a shadow, you can't grab a shadow, but we know that it's there, but it's the absence of light in that particular area. Uh, we know also, uh, this is a funny one that I, that I heard uh, someone talk about, uh, they'll ask their audience, have you ever eaten a donut hole, right? Now, Pastor, we would all say, yes, we've eaten donut holes, right? But what we're referring to is the little round ball of dough uh, that instead of it being made in the form of a circle, it's just... This, the roundness, you know, just a full, uh, not like the donut with the hole in the center. Well, the hole itself doesn't truly exist. It's yeah. the absence of dough. Absence of dough. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so right. We're not truly eating the hole. Yeah, uh, that would be eating air. That's right. That's which right. Which is nothing. So. That's right. Amen. So, yeah. and again, another example, you know, blindness is the absence of sight. And so when we define evil or when we define bad things, we say it's the absence of good. It's the absence of of things that are right. Okay? And coldness would be the absence of heat. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, and those are the examples to help us understand what truly is evil, uh, what truly is bad things or are, I should say, bad things. And so having said all of that, having tried to define for us what is evil and what are bad things, so the question still lies, why do bad things happen to good people? Now, Pastor, you have a very good point we talked about before the, the stream began uh, with regards to our first uh, discussion point here. Uh, the first discussion point that we must consider and we must understand is that no one, not a single one of us, is innately good. None of us. 
So, Pastor, tell us the question you said to me earlier when we were discussing this. I, well, I loved it. The question, the question, why do bad things happen to good people, is really a bad question. Yeah. Um, because we have to define what is good and bad. Mm-hmm. And, and we all want to label ourselves as good, but their terms are relative to, yeah. to each other. Yes. But each other is not the measuring stick. God That's is right. the measuring stick. That's right. And when you put us up next to God, none of us are good. That's right. So then the real question ought to be, why do good things happen to any of us? Amen. So why do good things happen to bad people? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because biblically, scripturally, and actually, we are all naturally bad. Yeah. And so the question really should be flipped. It should not be why do good things happen to bad. Uh, uh, why do bad things happen to good people? It should be why do good things happen to bad people? Uh, and, and we're going to look at some scripture this morning uh, just to verify. Most of you that are listening and watching, you understand this point. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a, it's a very important point. In Romans chapter three, we got a, we have a passage that we normally refer to when we're trying to lead someone to Christ to help them, help them understand that they are a sinner. Mm-hmm. Now, this refers to not only them, the prospect, but it refers to us as well. Uh, and so, Pastor, if you don't mind reading for us, Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 19. Uh, and if you're listening at home or you have, have your Bible with you, feel free to follow along. Uh, no one is innately good. No. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 through 19. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that uh, what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Wow. That's condemning. Yeah. That is convicting. Uh, I read that and I say, yeah, I fit there. Right? Uh, And everyone who reads that should be able to say, yeah, I fit there. Uh, the, The last part of verse 19 says... All the world may become guilty before God. And so, as you mentioned earlier, Pastor, when we compare ourselves to each other, we think, well, I'm better than that guy. I'm, I'm better than him or her or them. Uh, I do more good things than them. And God says it does not matter. Mm-hmm. It does not matter how many more good things you do than the, the next person. In my sight, before me, you're no good. Wow. Man, that's powerful. First uh, John 1 John 1.8 says, if we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And so, uh, so bad things don't only happen to people whom we would consider good, okay? And we say good in the comparative sense, good compared to other people, okay? You might be better behaved than someone else. In God's sight, you're still not good. But nonetheless, we say, okay, bad things may happen to even that person. Well, let, let's draw it up this mm-hmm. way. You have someone like a Job, Right, who the Bible says he was perfect and upright and eschewed evil yes. or hated evil. Yes, um, he was proactive and even confessing the sins of his children that they Amen. may or may not have even done. Amen. Right, so you have someone like that, and then you have someone who walks around and they are intentionally committing evil. 
Yeah. We as a society would label one man just mm-hmm. and the other man unjust. Mm-hmm. One right. man good and another man bad. Right. Right. One man is attempting to do what God has laid out in his sure. word or, or uh, the, the natural laws written in our heart. And the other man is intentionally breaking yes. every one of them. Yes. And we look at that like the psalmist and say, well, how come the evil man prospers? Mm-hmm. And I'm struggling here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But Jesus had something to say about that, That's didn't he? That's right. That's exactly right. And uh, he said, it doesn't matter whether you are in the eyes of the world, good or bad. Bad, negative things happen to all people, yes. to everyone. And everyone that's, that's uh, a Christian can attest to the fact that, yes, I am purposely trying to live for God. I'm trying to do the right thing. But still negative things happen in my life. Negative circumstances. We, uh, both of us sitting here can attest to that. Oh, yeah. And everyone sitting at home watching, they can also attest to that. Even though we're attempting to try to be good, we still have negative things happen. Matthew 5.45, the Lord Jesus put it this way. uh, He makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. And so it doesn't matter necessarily if we're trying to be good, and that's a good thing. We should try to be good and we should endeavor to, as you mentioned about Job, eschew evil, hate evil, run from evil, try to stay away from evil. But that does not mean, that doesn't obligate God to keep uh, the negative circumstances from our life. Right. I, I, often, I often tell people when, when I'm either preaching or whatever the case may be, you know, God is not a vending machine, and we don't put in a certain amount of change and hit A3, and whatever is in A3 has to come out. We don't obligate God to do anything. by our behavior. And so we have to be careful of of that mentality. It's not why do bad things happen to good people. Really, it's truly why do good things, why does God even bless us with anything good? Because we're all bad. It's an understanding that in God's justice, he hates our sin. And he hates our sin so much that uh, if he were to have followed through on that hatred of our sin, we would all be condemned to hell. And any day out of hell is a good day. Amen. Amen. Anything that we get above falling through the lake of fire and landing under the condemnation of God are, is good. So back to good and, uh, good and bad being relative, well, the, the bad that we look at on us is also relative. That's right. Comparatively to hell. Amen. And Amen. people in hell would trade place with the least happy human being walking right. the earth in a heartbeat. That's right. And uh, as I like to say, if you ain't going to hell, you ain't got no problems. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen to that, right? (laughs) And no, but we say, obviously, we say that jokingly. We do have problems, right? We do have issues in our life. We have negative circumstances. uh, But we're trying to be good for most of the people watching. We're trying to do right. Why is there even evil to begin with? Mm -hmm. Why is it in place? Well, no one is innately good. Let's look at the second uh, discussion topic here, this discussion point is evil is present because of sin and the fall of creation. Evil is present because of sin and the fall of creation. Bad things are present in this world because of sin and the fall of creation. Now, when God created the uh, the heavens, the earth, uh, Adam, Eve, uh, the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that he looked at everything that he had created and he said it is good, right? So when God created it, it was good. When God was done creating after the sixth day, he looked back and he says, this is wonderful. This is good. Uh, However, we know it didn't stay that way. 
No, it did not. It did not stay in a good condition. And so obviously it changed. And so the Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 5, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Death came as a result of sin. Uh, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And so not only do we as human beings inherit the sin nature, we inherit the consequences of that sin nature. Also, the world, the earth, the creation as a whole has also inherited corruption, uh, just like we have. Uh, read for us, Pastor, if you don't mind, uh, Romans chapter number 8, verses 18 through 23. Uh, it says, Therefore I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the Son of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willing, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the uh, adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Man, the whole creation groaneth. The whole creation uh, is travailing in pain. Uh, and, Pastor, you, you agree with this, I'm sure, and you've probably said statements like this. You know, uh, before the fall, there were no thorns on flower stems. Uh, before the fall, uh, there was no having to work and, and sweat in order to be able to eat and survive. Before the fall, everything was good. Yeah, the animals didn't attack each other. Yeah. There wasn't this this food chain of one animal devouring another. They were all herbivores. Yes. They, and, and they all laid off the plant life, and there was plenty of plant life for everyone. And, you know, we know that both in the Garden of Eden and during the millennial reign of Christ, a child will play with a scorpion. Yes. A yes. lion will lay down with a lamb and yes. sleep. Yes. Yes. Uh, there won't be this... There, or nor was there this mm-hmm. um, uh, this sin curse, yeah. this evil yes. that fell that has fallen upon even nature. Amen, amen. And so we think, where, where's, why is all this evil here? And a lot of people like to point and say, well, it's God's fault. And if we look at Scripture, which last week we said, hey, this is the Word of God. This yeah, is go the back truth. and watch that if you right. if you didn't see that. Amen. This is the revelation of God. This is God revealing Himself to us. It's not God's fault. That's right. God didn't create evil. God didn't start the whole evil process. Uh, we started that. You know, we because of our sin. And, and it's interesting how this passage that we just read, Pastor, in Romans chapter 8, the first verse that you read, verse 18 says, For I reckon, that's where a lot of people say that, you know, Paul was southern, you know, because he says, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely a southern term. That's a southern term. Amen. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, We're talking about the sufferings, right? The evil things, the bad things. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And so God is telling us, yes, you're suffering. Yes, you're experiencing bad things. Yes, some negative circumstances are happening in this life. But you have to keep perspective. And we'll talk about that here in a minute uh, in one of the talking points. Perspective is this time that we have here on earth is short. Mm -hmm. It's not very long. It feels like it's long while we're living in it, uh, but compared to eternity, it's very short. Uh, if our life is 70, 80, 90, however many years God allows us to live, 
if we extrapolate eternity, we die and we go to heaven, uh, and we're in, in heaven or we're with God for all of eternity, as eternity continues to go on, this, this little portion gets, gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller as eternity continues to go on. It's perspective. It's perspective. And um, so evil is not God's fault. People will say, well, if God's all-powerful, uh, why can't he just stop everything? Right? Why can't he just stop evil? Uh, and so it's not logical uh, for God uh, to stop because then it wouldn't be freedom. We wouldn't be free uh, to choose, uh, which is our next talking point. Our next talking point is there's evil in the world. Bad things happen because we have a free will. Mm-hmm. We have a free will. And um, so would a good God, would a God that is loving uh, create a world uh, which, where love is possible? Or would a good God create a world in which love is impossible? Well, obviously, we would say, well, he's a good God. He's a loving God. Uh, he would create a world and people where love is possible, where a relationship where they can express that love to each other right. uh, is free. And so in order for love to be real and true, then we must have the freedom to not love. This goes back to what you were saying before uh, in the introduction, inter- introductory thoughts, that you can't have good without having evil. That's right. And so people ask the question, did God create evil? And the answer is no, but by the very essence of the fact that God is good, evil has to exist. That's right. That's right. Uh, so God did not create evil, but God did put on the earth, by creating the earth, he put the potential for evil, the potential yeah. for hatred, exactly. the potential for sin. Yes. But just because God created the earth and filled it with goodness and love and righteousness does not mean that he created evil That's right. and hatred That's right. uh, and, 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 and all of the negative things that go on Amen. in the world. But, very good point, Pastor. Pa- uh, lo- the Lord, on purpose, created us in such a way where he gave us a free will to decide. Because, again, he doesn't want puppets. He doesn't want robots. If we love God because he puppets us to, he pulls the right strings, or if we love God because we're programmed to as a robot, then that's not really loving. You know, if, if we apply that to human relationships, well, I don't want someone to love me just because they have to. Yeah, if, if I had... If I could put myself in a time machine and go forward 300 years, 400 years, and let's say that they have android robots mm-hmm. that can uh, act as though it is my son. Sure. And I can go get a boy robot that's programmed to obey me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to feel near as loved when I come home and the grass is cut yeah. than I would if I came home today and my grass that's is cut. Right. That's right. Because my son is of his own free will choosing to cut the lawn to please me, to love Amen. me. Amen. Whereas if the lawn's not cut with, with a, you know, a hypothetical android boy, I'm taking him to the store and figuring out how he needs to be reprogrammed yes. to do the job. Yes. And God did not want us just loving him because we were programmed to do That's so. Right. That's he right. wanted them to walk past that tree in the garden each day and not eat it. And by not eating it, they were choosing to love him. Amen. They were choosing Amen. to do what was right. Amen. The fact that we have the free will to choose to love by its own essence we have to have the opportunity to choose to not love. That's right. To choose. And unfortunately, obviously, uh, throughout history, many have chosen not to love. Whether it's not loving God or not loving their neighbor, uh, that has been the case, obviously, in our, in our world. Uh, that's the reason why evil and, uh, exists and bad things happen. 
C.S. Lewis, by the way, uh, for those of you who are familiar with C.S. Lewis, uh, he is a Christian author, of, a fiction author, but uh, at one time he grew up in a Christian home. Uh, at 15 years old, he became an atheist. You know, he kind of backed away and, and you know, it's that, that age is very formable age and very easily influenced. Uh, of course, he came back to the Lord and wrote many uh, famous uh, fiction Christian books. Uh, he said this quote. He said, God created things which had free will. That means creatures which can go either wrong or right. Some people think they can imagine a creature which was free but had no possibility of going wrong. I cannot. If a thing is free to be good, it is also free to be bad. And free will is what has made evil possible. Why then did God give them free will? Because free will, though it makes evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. What a tremendous statement that is. Free will, unfortunately, uh, it, it gives us tremendous opportunity to choose to love but at the same time it also gives us tremendous opportunity to choose not to love you see um the the thing is this god is good he's been good to us and he's given us that free will but with that free will pastor he's also given us instructions yes right so he says you have a free will you can choose but let me give you what's what's best and right for you now, you don't have to choose this, but I'm trying to help you. Aren't you glad he articulated for us how to properly love? Because Amen. I can tell you, without an instruction manual, I know I'd be up. lost. We'd mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> we, we still mess it up even with the instruction Boy, how, manual. How gracious is he to have done that? Yes. Amen. So he's given us the instruction manual on how to choose to love and how to choose to uh, use that free will that we have for his glory. Unfortunately, many people choose to disregard. Yeah. And not only love him but how to love each other, Amen. how to love our, our spouses, Amen. how to love Amen. our children, how to love our parents, Amen. how to love our neighbor. Amen. Uh, I have in my notes here that some natural events uh, that are what we consider evil uh, are attributed to man's free will. Like uh, I have an example here. If, uh, if we lived in California, which we don't, but if we lived in California, we know that uh, it's prone to have earthquakes to happen in, in California. And uh, if, unfortunately, there's an earthquake that happens and uh, some people lose their lives as a result, that would be considered an evil, a bad thing. Uh, but if they, as authorities or whatever, uh, construction companies, they decide, hey, we're going to rebuild houses or dwelling places in the exact same place where there's a fault line that, you know, there, uh, earthquakes happen, well, then that is bound to happen again uh, where people would lose their lives. Now, some of that obviously is, is not always the case, but that can be the case in some situations. Or you see people who build homes right up against the shore yeah. where hurricanes happen. Yes. And then yes. They, they act as though they've been mistreated when yeah. a hurricane it's God's wipes, fault. It's wipes <laughs> the, the house out. Absolutely. God gives us a brain. And That's he right. Us to use That's it. right. That's right. Uh, I love this quote from Nehemiah chapter th- uh, 9, verse 33. This is when the Israelites were returning from the Babylonian captivity. Uh, and they realized, they knew that the reason that that bad thing happened to them was not God's fault. Uh, in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 33, they're confessing their sin. They're returning from uh, the Babylonian captivity. They say, how be it thou art just in all that is brought upon us, for thou hast done right. They're referring to God. Thou art just, thou hast done right, but we have done wickedly. 
we, it's, it's our fault. It's not God's fault. And even if it's not our individual fault directly, it's our fault as a whole humanity. Yeah. You know, the, the, the earth has fallen, uh, the creation has fallen, we have fallen, and we have a free will. And so we have to understand with a free will to choose to love, to choose to serve, there's also the opposite that, that comes uh, as a result. And so let's look at our, our next talking point, uh, talking point number four. Uh, and I like this one because it, it helps us to put things in perspective once again. God knows best. Yeah. Right? And so uh, I, uh, I think of my children and pastor your children and anyone who has children. You understand, especially when they're younger, say they're two, three, four, five, they're much younger. Your understanding of the world and your knowledge of the world is by far surpasses theirs. By far. And there's a chasm between the, the knowledge they have, the experience they have, and the knowledge and experience you have. Now, obviously, that decreases as they get older. But imagine, that's a parent to a child. That's a, a 20-some year difference in, in whatever case, you know, however old the, the uh, parents were when they were born. It, compare that to God and us, right? I mean, he's infinite. We're finite. He's the creator. We're the creation. He's God. We're not. A couple of uh, analogies here. Um, You take an ant and try to teach that ant crawling across the the carpet there. Try to teach that ant trigonometry. (laughs) You you have a better chance of getting that ant to understand trigonometry than you do getting a human being to understand God. Wow. Mm. And people, and here's what I find with a lot of people who ask this question especially people who are just looking for an excuse to not believe. Yeah. Now, there are people who have been really hurt. Sure. And in that being really hurt, there's a trauma in their life, and they have shut God out. I'm not talking about those folks. Sure. If you're in that crowd, boy, our heart bleeds for you. And yes. We hope that this will engage you intellectually and help lead you to a place where you'll, you'll trust God uh, once again. But for those who just dismiss God out of hand intellectually uh, on this premise... Uh, how arrogant is it for that person to to try to understand God yeah. or try to say, you know, I I I can't comprehend God, so I just uh, won't accept Him. The other analogy here I like to use is the idea of a computer program and a computer programmer. Mm-hmm. That computer programmer uh, works with the code, and he can go uh, from the beginning of the code to the end of the code. He exists outside of the code. Mm -hmm. He can manipulate it any way he wants. And if the code were to somehow uh, have the ability to express thought and say, you know, I I don't agree with the the coder, I don't agree with the the computer programmer, what chance does the the code have to understand? It's it's limited in its ability to understand. And how much smarter and more capable is is the computer programmer than the computer program. And Amen. in comparison, God is the computer programmer. He is not restricted by time. That's right. He's not restricted by space. Amen. He's not restricted by intellect. That's right. He's not restricted in his emotions. That's right. We are restricted in every single way. Yeah. And once you get to a place where you understand that there is a God that is real, and boy, there's a mountain of evidence that proves mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. Uh, you have to step back and just humbly defer yeah. that God really does. He knows best. Yeah. That's tremendous, tremendous points, Pastor. I, to think of the fact that God lives outside of time, space, and all the restrictions that we have. He created those things. 
He's not bound by those things. That's right. And so God sees and knows the end from the beginning. He sees and knows what one event, how it will affect the family, the friends, those that are connected to that individual, and how that will trickle down. He knows all of that. We don't. There's no way that we can know. Now, obviously, it's not pleasant to go through an evil or bad thing. It's not a, but how will that affect other people? How will that change the course of that family's life uh, in a way that is what God wants? And we don't understand. We don't know that. Maybe one of the most beautiful things that I see in Scripture is how that God is able to take the evil that is done to a person in Scripture and he's able to somehow still spin that into an even better good yes. long-term in that person's yes. life. Uh, I think of Joseph. He's probably the classic example. Yes. At the very end of his life, he goes from his brothers throwing him into a pit to That's him right. being in a palace That's and second right. in command. Amen. And God spun their evil into an incredible good in his life. Yes. And what does he say to his brothers? You, you meant it evil unto me, but God meant it for good. Meant it Amen. for good. And they tried to get rid of him. Yes. And God still used that. And, and, and this is what amazes me about God. I, a while back, I was standing on my back porch. This is when I lived in West Haven, and the houses are really crammed close together. I'm standing on my back porch, and I'm, and I'm looking to my right and to my left, and I'm seeing just hundreds of houses you know, all, all around me. I'm kind of up on a hill where I can see down a little ways. And I'm standing on my back porch, and I'm looking out, and I'm coming to this realization that I don't know any of these people. Mm. I may know some names, but I really don't know any sure. of these people. And how interconnected all these people's lives are, they don't even know it. Yes. And how that when one person does one thing, it can adversely affect so many others. Absolutely. And God has all of that under control. Incredible. That's, that's <laughs> it's a, amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing. And, and you're right. That, that example of Joseph is the classic example of bad things happening, but God allowing good to come out of that. And we have had instances in our own personal lives, I'm sure. I know I have, and I'm mm-hmm. sure you have, and I'm, I'm sure our listen, listeners at home have also had where bad things happen to you, but somehow, some way, God in his, in his omnipotence, in his infinite wisdom, somehow allowed something to happen that turned out for your good. Uh, Romans 8.28, the classic verse for that, right? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Not that all things are good, mm-hmm. but all things work together for our good. Um, it's, it's, you know, understanding that he knows what's best, uh, like taking a child to, to get a shot or taking a child to I get... I love this example. Yeah, taking a child to have some kind of medical procedure done. They don't want that to happen. They think it's evil, it's bad, it's going to hurt, it's painful. I don't want it to happen. But you as a parent, you say, I know this is going to hurt, but you don't understand how much good it's going to do for you later on. I have to take you through this. That's the... Can go I ahead. give an example? Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. When Matthew was uh, just... A year and a half, he woke up one night in the middle of the night and just didn't want to go back to sleep. It was 2 in the morning, so um, he wasn't crying, wasn't upset, just didn't want to go back to sleep. So we, we turned on, I think it was at the time, Nick Jr., mm-hmm. and I laid him on the couch to watch it, and I, I lay down on the recliner, and I fell asleep. Yeah. Well, he fell asleep, and after he fell asleep, he rolled off the couch, oh, and boy. he landed on his shoulder, his shoulder and broke his collarbone. Mm. So it's 2, 2.30 in the morning at this point, and uh, the emergency room is just around the corner from our house. I, I stick him in the car. He's screaming and crying, and I take him to the ER. Uh, Angela stayed home, uh, I think, with uh, April was just a newborn at the time. Mm-hmm. 
So we, uh, we get to the, to, to the ER, and they've got to hold him down for an x-ray. Mm. And he's already in pain. And he looks at me as though to say, Dad, why are you letting them do this to me? <laughs> I thought you loved me. Yes. I thought you, how are you letting them hurt me more? Yes. And, and I remember just the horror in my heart yeah. of having to watch them put him through an even more discomfort. Mm-hmm. But I had a knowledge that he couldn't have. Exactly. That the doctors were not actually trying to hurt him. Sure. They were trying to help him. And God in heaven, I think this shows his love to us, is that he restrains himself. Sure. And when evil is happening to us, it's like that shot for a child or that doctor's visit for a child. And we look at God and say, how could you let this happen to me? Mm -hmm. And God is looking bigger picture. That's right. He sees the good that's that's going to come out of that evil that he is allowing to happen to us. Um, We can't become embittered at God at that moment. That's right. That's right. Whether that evil is a rape or a murder, uh, an unwanted pregnancy, mm-hmm. um, or even a natural disaster, yeah. it, is, it is horrid, it is abusive at that moment, um, it is traumatizing at yes. that moment. Yes. But if we will trust God and allow it, we realize that God really does know best. He does, and, and that's such a classic, perfect example of the fact that Matthew, I'm sure, in, in that situation, thought, Man, I thought my dad loved me, but then later on he's like, oh, that, that's what was best for me. How many of us have experienced that, right? We say, man, I did not enjoy that experience, but now looking back I say, oh, I see now why God allowed that to happen. And for some people they may not realize it until they get to heaven. Sure, sure. But like you said, we need to trust. We need to have faith in a good, uh, loving, heavenly Father that he will do what is best and what is right. Uh, one of the things that we have to consider when we understand that God knows best is that, you know, as you said, we're not living only for this life. You know, we, what we expect is we expect pleasure, happiness, uh, contentment, uh, no problems, no sickness. That's what we expect. But we're living in, in that mentality. We're thinking only of what we want. But God created us not for what we want. He created us to glorify him. You know, he created us to to bring him glory. And however that has to happen, uh, he knows best, and we have to trust that he knows best. Let's live with eternity in view. Let's live with the idea that we're going to live with God for all of eternity and worship him. And so let's prepare now. Let's prepare now. Let's trust him and, and understand that he knows what's best. He'll do what's best. All right, let's move on. Pastor, we're running out of time, so I want to get to uh, talking point number five. Uh, Let's look at this one. Uh, Evil is evidence that God does exist. And I think we've touched a little bit on this a little bit. Uh, If you were to play, and I know you like to play basketball, and uh, I don't like to play with you because you beat me every time. But anyway, uh, (laughs) if you don't know, this guy, he can shoot really well. Uh, He does some fancy stuff with the basketball. Anyway, um, if you were to play a game of basketball, and you were to play, you know, five on five, two, two organized teams playing together with referees and all of that. And you were to go for a layup shot and someone were to, I mean, really knock you down, foul you, right? I mean, you didn't make the basket. You fell on the floor. They hit you on your head. They hit your arm. You know, that is against the rules. They, they're not allowed to do that. The re- and the referee doesn't blow the whistle, doesn't give you a foul. Well, the first thing you're going to stand up and say, hey, ref, 
Where's the foul? Where's where's the call, yeah. right? And and he'll say if he said to you, he's oh well, you know, we decided before this game started that you know there weren't going to be any rules. You'd say, well, wait a second, that's not right. That's a, we can't play this game with no rules. Uh, and so, in a universe, in a creation where there are no rules, you know, there's no objective good or bad. Uh, you know, if there's evil, then there must be laws that define what is evil and what is good. And so, where does this come from? Like, where do we determine what is evil and what is good? Where do we determine what is bad and what is, is not bad? And so, there, if there are rules, and obviously we all agree that there are rules in this universe, in this creation, where did that, all, where did that come from? Well, obviously that came from God. And so... Evil is a departure from the way that things ought to be. And the way that things ought to be implies that there is an objective and moral law. That's right. If there's an objective and moral law, then obviously there's a moral law giver. Mm-hmm. So who is that moral law giver? Obviously, that's God. The counter argument here, if I could play devil's advocate uh-huh. for a moment, is that uh, morality just developed through yeah. the evolutionary process mm-hmm. in time and is necessary for us to be able to have any sort of civility mm-hmm. amongst us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now, so, I don't believe that. Of I'm course not. Yeah, of course not. And so uh, those people that say, well, this just developed over time, and so now, you know, we don't, you know, we advocate not to commit these types of things because as time has, tr- you know, happened, people decide, well, no, no, that's not good. But again, uh, where did you... Where did that come from? Where did that moral compass develop from? That comes from the inter, uh, inner rather, the inner law that God gives us in our hearts. The Bible tells us that the, the law of God is written in our hearts in Romans chapter number 1. And so where did that come from? You didn't just develop that yourself. God gave you that. Amen. Because one person that says, because it becomes objective to you. If you say, well, that's bad. And I say, well, no, that's not bad. I think that's good. Now, all of a sudden, we disagree. But everyone agrees that murder is bad, rape is bad, uh, incest is bad, uh, you know, uh, child abuse is bad. We, we agree. Well, there's a reason why we agree on those things, because God has given us that moral if law. If you erase the standard or the giver of the law, uh, of the moral law, then you can begin to call into question anything. That's right. That's right. And so the, the person who feels like, well, it's okay, I can do this if I want to, because I think it's right. Well, no, it's not right just because you think it's right, because you are not the moral law giver. Um, And so the fact that there are moral laws is evidence that God does exist. I got some examples here uh, on uh, with regards to this whole good versus evil, bad things, good things. In 2006, atheist Richard Dawkins, I'm sure most of us are familiar with that name. uh, He's a famous atheist. He wrote the book, The God Delusion. In that book, uh, we find this quote from Richard Dawkins. He said this, The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all of fiction. He refers to the Bible as fiction. Uh, Jealous and proud of it. A petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak. A vindictive, bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser. A misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniac, maniacal rather, uh, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. This is how he referred to the God of the Bible. And so we say, Richard Dawkins, tell us how you really feel. 
right? <laughs> he told us how he really feels. Now, here's the problem. The problem with Richard Dawkins' statement in his book, The God Delusion, from 2006, is that in 1995, uh, he wrote a book entitled River Out of Eden, A Darwinian View of Life. And he said this. This was a quote that he said. Again, this is his view uh, as uh, Darwin, Darwinism and, and evolution. He believes in that. He said this in 1995. Quote, in a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt. Other people are going to get lucky and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties that we should expect if there is at bottom, that's what he says, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference, end quote. He's saying this, this is all chance. It's all chance. And there is no such thing as morality. There is no such thing as morality. There is no good. There is no evil. But then in 2006, he says, God is evil. So which one is it, Mr. Dawkins? <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> there's a double standard here. Yeah. Uh, there's hypocrisy here. And, and who is the final authority in Dawkins' life? Well, he is. He's the final authority. He determines what is right, wrong, good, bad, uh, who should or shouldn't do this or that. And that's the problem with not submitting ourselves to the Word of God and to the moral lawgiver as God Almighty. And so evil does exist, obviously. There is evil, uh, but because there's the free will, the freedom to choose to be good, the freedom to choose to love, the freedom to choose to serve God, obviously God is going to give us with that freedom the freedom of some people to choose to do wrong, to do evil, which creates uh, of course, circumstances that hurt other people. Now, why do bad things happen to good people? Let's make sure we get it right. Why do good things happen to bad people? Yeah. And all of us are bad. Yeah. We're all sinners. Uh, we all deserve, as you mentioned earlier, to spend eternity separated from God. But he in his love and in his mercy and in his grace has extended uh, to us not only the ability to choose but the ability to choose him and to choose life with him. If I could finish with this. Yes, sir. Satan is a magician in this sense. He, he's the one that, that uh, brought man to the evil side. He, yeah. In the Garden of Eden, we know the story. If you don't, go read Genesis 3. Um, Satan should be credited for all of the hurt and pain and evil that goes on in this world. But here's how, here's how much of a master manipulator Satan is. He will convince us uh, that it's God's fault. He'll do it. He'll blame it on God, and then he'll get us to pledge allegiance to him with our mm. lifestyle. Yeah. Don't do that. Amen. Um, re I want you to rebel, but rebel against Satan. Don't rebel against God. Understand that God is good, and the absence of God is evil. Amen. And where you have been hurt, uh, become embittered toward Satan, but don't become embittered toward God. Run Amen. from uh, Satan and run to the arms of the Lord and understand that he offers you the free gift of eternal life if you'll just open your heart and receive it by faith. Amen. The last point Amen. I want to make here, yes, why do good things happen to bad people? There was no one better amongst us than the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If anyone was good, it was, it was That's Jesus. Right. That's right. And some people say, well, where was God when this happened to me? And I would say in the same place where God was when his son was crucified. That's right. Amen. God restrained himself and Amen. let Jesus get hurt. That's right. 
for our good. Amen. He was still on the throne. He was still on the throne. He was still God. Yeah. And he purposefully allowed that to happen, that bad thing to happen to that good person, the only one that was truly good, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, what a tremendous example. What a tremendous way to end the uh, Yeah, the we find salvation by trusting in him. Amen. So turn to him. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, we hope that uh, today's life, uh, life Group Hour, the roundtable discussion, has been a blessing to you. And we hope uh, you can use it, turn around, and encourage others. Uh, if, there, if this happens to be their roadblock, uh, let's make sure we equip ourselves. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be starting our service, our morning service here, in just about 12 to 15 minutes.